Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's a new week here on the Believe in Blazers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your cordial host, Brian Wheeler. The Blazers off to a terrific start in the best of seven opening round series with Denver as they took game one on Saturday. Game two coming up tonight before the series shifts back to Portland for games three and four coming up on Thursday night and Saturday afternoon. Uh, We have the opportunity to talk to one of the veteran NBA observers. He has done so on a local level, national level, and now he's branching out to even include some additional work on the author front. It'll be his third book coming up on uh, a very uh, a very interesting subject. So we're going to talk to him about that and about the NBA in general. And we do so with our longtime friend, 33 years. He's been covering the NBA. I didn't even realize he was 33 years old. That shows how, how young he looks, even still. Speaking, of course, of the great Scott Howard Cooper. How are you, sir? Brian, it is great to be with you. And suddenly I feel much older after realizing <laughs> 33 years. You've packed a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, experience into a short amount of time is the way I look at it. I started when I was five, so it helped. Yeah, exactly. You were prodigy even, even back then. Uh, so we'll get to a lot of uh, Scott's experience and also uh, the book that he has uh, that is going to be uh, out very, very, very soon. I think a lot of uh, folks that are NBA fans will definitely want to uh, uh, be able to pick up a copy of this book. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Our uh, podcast, the Believe in Blazers podcast, is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. They have some terrific NBA playoff props. In fact, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. All you have to do is head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, sir, uh, you mentioned two books that you've done previously. This one, a full-fledged uh, effort to, uh, to narrow in on one subject and uh, to talk about somebody who has a very interesting life and obviously is uh, somebody that NBA fans certainly would know, Steve Kerr. Now, how did you pick Steve Kerr as uh, the subject for a book that, uh, that uh, you wanted to write? Did you feel that uh, news on him or on his life was maybe underserved for people that follow the NBA on a regular basis? I actually came about it in a roundabout way, the original plan a couple years ago. I was all set to do a book on the rise of the Golden State Warriors and had a proposal all ready to go. And it was just a matter of seven, uh, four more wins. They just needed to knock off the Toronto Raptors in the finals. And and that would be kind of the clincher that everybody would want to read a story on this great program and everything. And I guess Kawhi Leonard and and the fates had a different idea of this book (laughs) and so once the Warriors lost, um, that idea went out the window. Was it going to do a book on a team after they had lost in the finals to talk about how great they had been? Um, and it was my agent who suggested Steve Kerr. And my initial thought was to say, no, it, it's not something that I really interested, really interested me. And he encouraged me. He just said, just sit down for a, a couple of days and start sketching out some ideas And sure enough, I went from being hesitant to thinking that this could be a good book to, as I got a couple months into it, thinking, I can't believe nobody has done this before. It's a, it's a a incredible story. I'll tell you how I pitched it to the publisher when we had a conversation on the phone as sort of the final step to closing the deal. I said, this is a guy that's obviously had a unique career but it's a fascinating life. I think it's really 
what has happened with Steve outside of basketball and how it has shaped his incredible success story. That is a, a such a remarkable storyline. And uh, when you approached Steve about it, uh, was he uh, was he from the get go um, accessible and and, uh, and and very willing to take part, or did you have to convince him that it was a good idea to, to do a book on his life? No, it's quite the opposite. He wanted no part of it. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've had a very good relationship through the years. I've, I've been talking to him since he was in college, and uh, we've always gotten along. But he made it clear that this is not something he wanted to participate in. Uh, he was very polite. He made it clear it was nothing personal, but that it's it's not anything he wanted to do with anybody and uh, said that um, it's not anything that he would be giving his time uh, to help develop. So how did you finally convince him that uh, this was worth his while? I didn't. This is not Steve's book. This is my book on Steve. Oh, okay. Uh, so 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 so, so there so did he did he cooperate at all in terms of putting some things together or, or is everything that you have for the book something that uh, you found really without any help from him? It was mostly the latter. Uh, it was mostly just other interviews I had done. Uh, I did get some questions with him, but only in group settings. Uh, he and, and even that was kind of telling because um, when I would talk to him pregame or after a practice or just in the usual scrum sessions that he would do with all the media. He was very polite, uh, answered my questions. I, I was kind of curious going into it on whether he would give a lot of yes and no answers, knowing that he didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, but just as too good of a guy to completely shut me down. And so he answered some of the questions. He answered all of the questions I asked in the group setting, but just wouldn't do anything one-on-one. -on -one. The good news being that I had dozens of hours of one-on-one -on -one interviews on tape in the last several years. I spent hundreds of days around the Warriors just since he became the head coach. I've traveled all over the country with them. I've been around the team a lot. Uh, I felt very fluent in speaking Kerr. So uh, I think is the best way to put it. So it's not like him saying, no, he wouldn't give me any one-on-one -on -one time uh, scuttled the project. Not at all. Now, I'm guessing, though, those interviews, uh, if they were in uh, game or practice settings, they were um, tailored to uh, whatever was going on in the playoffs or uh, you know, in that particular season or so forth. But you're saying that the book was done uh, at least with some angle on his life. So was it harder to get the aspects of his life and, and to maybe get his opinions of things that happened in his life since maybe you wouldn't have asked uh, questions as personal in the past uh, if you were in those scrum type settings, as you mentioned? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I didn't. All the interviews I had done in the past, even if it was in the playoffs or in a championship season, uh, it's something else going on there's still plenty of opportunities to get in question. So uh, I, I don't feel like there were that many holes in this book where I say, boy, I, I really needed to know about such and such and didn't get a chance to ask it. Uh, even in the last couple of years, as I was working on the book and going out and talking to him after a shoot around or before a game or something, there's still plenty of opportunities to ask questions that maybe are a little bit off the topic of the game that night or 
uh, how somebody's ankle injury coming along. Um, you go out to these things and there's all sorts of questions that are being that are being thrown around, especially with a guy like Steve, who's so great with the media. Uh, if if the Warriors are going to be playing the Lakers tomorrow and I'm out at a practice on an off day, he's very open to any questions about uh, it doesn't have to be game related. He's he certainly understands the media process and how it works and that people are working on feature stories on a certain player or a coach. And, and there's plenty of time to ask those questions. That was not, that was never an issue. So in your research uh, to put the book together, especially since you didn't necessarily have uh, the great benefit of, of his, uh, his complete cooperation and help, uh, were, were there any things about him that you uh, discovered that you didn't necessarily know before? Well, that was kind of the fun thing. Uh, I, I was really excited uh, to come up with some new layers. And it's not anything uh, that you're going to see in a breaking news headline. It's not, it's not any huge news about Steve Kerr. Uh, but I thought that there was some fascinating developments in his life. A lot of the stuff that had not been talked about before had not been reported. Uh, everything from when he was a player uh, to getting into coaching when he finally made that plunge uh, after, after, waiting many years he waited for his kids to get much older so that he wouldn't have to be spending all that time away from home when they were growing up and a lot of it when you talk about the new layers to his life story is just putting it in context um things it, it's amazing how things that happen once upon a time in his life came full circle and came back to impact his life 10 or 20 or 30 years later Sometimes in these just bizarre moments that uh, <laughs> when you talk about a certain uh, synchronicity to his life and a certain there's there's a, a lot of fate in Steve Kerr's life that when you connect the dots, uh, you think, wow, I, I can't believe that this is happening. And um, you're able to do a book and talk about without having to do any kind of reach you're obviously talking about the basketball side, um, Michael Jordan, Steph Curry, uh, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson. Obviously there's the things that people know, but you don't have to reach very far to get Kim Jong-un in Steve Kerr's storyline and Yasser Arafat in Steve Kerr's storyline. And obviously Donald Trump and Ronald Reagan and Barack Obama um, it's, these are all things that fit in without having to make a reach. And it's pretty incredible that you can get all of those in his story. I do remember a time when he was the general manager of the Suns and the Blazers had an opening for a general manager that they, they pursued him. And, uh, his response was that he wasn't really interested in being a general manager, but he wanted to be a head coach. And it was kind of the first time I think that at least publicly there had been any, uh, declaration on his part that coaching was maybe the area that that he wanted to go into uh i think maybe at the time the thought was he might try to angle to get the type of uh, relationship or maybe type of, of power in an organization that uh, greg popovich had in san antonio where he'd be head coach but he'd have say over a lot of the personnel matters and so forth but uh, ultimately uh, the blazers had nate mcmillan as coach at the time and so it wasn't uh, something they needed in terms of a head coach and and things didn't, and I know they took a couple different runs at him to try to get him to be interested in just the general manager position. But uh, did that did that aspect of uh, uh, that time in his life come up at all? 
Oh yeah, certainly the the whole thing um, about <laughs> the way his life evolved. Uh, this is a guy. He was a high school senior and couldn't beg a scholarship offer. He ended up at Arizona strictly by a fluke. Then he's a college senior and he's and he's thinking maybe I'll get drafted. Then he gets drafted and he's thinking. Boy, if I could just sneak out one, or if I can get two seasons out of this, I could put some money in the bank and it helped my family out. This is a guy that couldn't get anywhere in basketball. And by later in his life is one of the most in-demand people in the NBA. There were organizations that wanted to hire him as a general manager. There were organizations that wanted to hire him as a coach. This is the guy that couldn't, that couldn't beg his way into, into a good spot in his younger days turns into somebody. You're right. The Blazers made two different runs at him. Uh, there were people that had him as their number one candidate for a head coach at the time uh, for, for several years that kept trying to, to hire him. Um, Phil, he, he told Phil Jackson, I'm coming to the Knicks. And before that, there was the speculation that, remember, that the Sacramento Kings were supposed to end up in Seattle. Phil Jackson was going to be their president of basketball operations and would have brought Steve Kerr on as head coach. So there were numerous opportunities to get into coaching. There were numerous opportunities uh, even after the Suns years where he had an opportunity to go back to become head of basketball operations. And just he picked his spot perfectly, ending up with the Warriors. It could not have worked out better. So uh, the book is is done, correct? Uh, we're almost ready for distribution? June 15th, Steve Curry Life will be in your bookstores or online and available to order. June 15th, that's not very far away at all. So it better, even be, though, it better be done. <laughs> as I say, so uh, even though you didn't necessarily have uh, the ultimate cooperation that maybe you would have uh, ideally liked to have on his part. Uh, you still felt very good about how everything turned out. Yeah, I'm really pleased. Um, was it a, a bit of a setback? Yeah. I think I wrote in there that it was a minor setback. There's certain areas I would have liked to explore to get his thoughts on. And the irony is that it's not anything that was controversial. It's just talk, take me through your thinking when this happened or what was your approach as you headed into uh, your, your trailblazers years, for example. But again, there's still a long paper trail uh, of Steve Kerr because he's so great with the media. It's not like I didn't have an ability to find out what he thought about uh, his Portland years. And I talked to a lot of people regarding every stop of his career from high school uh, all through his playing career into his GM days and his broadcasting days and, and obviously his coaching time with the Warriors when I've been around the team quite a bit. Um, I, I'm pleased with how it turned out. I, I think that there were some obviously extenuating circumstances, but uh, I think that there's plenty of new information in there. I think that there's uh, a lot of fun stuff. There's a lot of serious stuff that that's part of his life. His life story is that there's been tragedy and there's been great personal difficulty uh, emotionally with the loss of his father. And he's had some serious injuries that he's had to overcome those health issues. Uh, there's just so much to talk about with this guy that I think people are going to read it and think I learned a lot about Steve that I did not know, even though he's been in the public spotlight since the 1980s. 
you uh, discovered, like any uh, sports writer would have, uh, probably early in your career, that uh, you can't uh, put much uh, stock or, or importance in whether or not the subject of something you write um, appreciates what you had to say about them. Um, you, uh, you, you learned that a long time ago. But uh, that being said, is it important to you that Steve likes this book? Uh, no, because I, I would be shocked if he looks at a page. <laughs> really? You don't think he will? Oh, I, I, I don't think so. Maybe he'll have somebody do it for him. Maybe I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong. But one of the things that I point out in the story, in the acknowledgments, as I discuss the process of how this came together and, and how Steve didn't want to be part of it, is I don't know that any subject interests him less than the subject of Steve Kerr. I don't think, I think he, he doesn't want the spotlight and that's a big part of it. That, that's a, a really big part of the whole thing. He doesn't want to spend a few hours reading about his life story that he's lived. Um, I think maybe he'll be curious if there's anything in there that he should be upset about. Uh, the answer is mostly no. There's going to be maybe one or two things on a minor level that he doesn't really appreciate, but the book is, and anybody who knows Steve will understand this, the book is vastly positive. It is, it is a very upbeat story about one of the most popular people of the NBA uh, of our generation. So I don't think he will uh, spend any time reading it, no. See, now I don't know Steve Kerr as well as you do. I mean, I got to know him in, in this brief time in Portland. Uh, and, uh, and I remember communicated him with a lot, a lot when he was the general manager of the Suns and they were playing the Lakers. Uh, we text a lot, uh, whenever the Suns had beat the Lakers and, uh, and he had the same hatred for the Lakers that all the, all the Portland fans did. So it was kind of funny to, to get his reaction to uh, the Suns victories and so forth. Um, but I have a feeling, I just have a feeling that, and now again, maybe I'm just trying to put myself in his position and, uh, I'm not sure that I would think that, uh, if it were the same situation, uh, I mean, I, I'm putting out a book that has is fairly soon that has a lot to do with my life. And I and I really I wondered and I had to get talked into doing it to some degree because I wasn't necessarily sure how much somebody would really want to read about my life. Uh, so but obviously, if, if I'm writing it, I must I must think there's some value in it. And I just have a feeling that somewhere along the way, Steve's going to take a look at it. And I predict that one day he's going to talk to you and he's going to say, you know what? I don't know what I was worried about. <laughs> you know, this, this turned out, this turned out fine. I, I'm sorry. I should have cooperated, cooperated more with you and made it easier on you. But, uh, but, uh, thank you for what you did because it, uh, it was, it was harmless. And then why I worried about it. I, I, you know, I, I don't know why I just, I just have a feeling. And you have to tell me one day if I'm, I'm right about that prediction, but I just have a feeling, just have a feeling. I hope you're right. I mean, again, it's, it's a very positive story. Uh, it's not like, uh, when we talk about it being unauthorized, I, I guess that that's, the official description, but it's not unauthorized. I don't like to use that term because that makes it sound like I was crawling through his trash cans or something. Right, like right, right. Trying to dig something up. It, it it strictly was that he didn't want that spotlight. Uh, one of the things he took from Greg Popovich was uh, as soon as the players see you making it about yourself, there's a chance you're going to lose the locker room. Now, I think that's ridiculous because when you have the credibility that Steve Kerr has, you're not going to lose the locker room, especially 
uh, a locker room with so many guys. Steph Curry had a book done on him. Uh, Draymond Green is very media savvy. Uh, Kevin Durant was on the team at the time, and he's had a book done on him. These guys get it. Steve Kerr isn't going to lose the locker room because of this, but that's his feeling. He's Steve Kerr and I'm not. So he's going to win this argument. And again, uh, he was very polite about it. It's not like he was furious at me. I think he was disappointed. Uh, and, and I know he was surprised that once he said no, that I went ahead with it anyway. So I think he was hoping that it would go away. Uh, but maybe you're right. You know, maybe it is going to be the kind of thing that somebody's going to say, you know, I read that and it really, you don't, you, you don't have to turn away from it. It's not like it portrays you in a bad light or anything, but I don't think that that was Steve's concern in the first place. I don't think that he was worried that it was going to be a hit job. Um, he knows me. He knows my approach. The Warriors know me well. I don't think that, I don't think that the concern was, am I going to, you know, run into this guy with a car? Uh, in the book, am I going to make him look bad? I think it was all about, I don't want the attention. And that's what several people told me. Uh, some people gave me the old, I'm glad to have this talk with you, but we never talked, wink, wink. Uh, <laughs> because they said, this is a great story. This guy deserves to have his story told in an in-depth manner, something like this. Um, but he just doesn't want that publicity. That's just not who he is. Now, uh, we mentioned that your long history of covering the NBA, you've done it in every way possible uh, on a game-to-game -game basis with uh, a recap of games, uh, quotes after a game and so forth. You've done so as in more of a, a, a feature-oriented way. Uh, you've done so on a national level, a local level. Uh, so uh, is there anything left from the NBA perspective that uh, you haven't done or something that you'd like to get back to um, is the, or does that, is that something you've done and something that you just completed being an author that maybe that is something that interests you, interests you more at this stage of your career? Yeah. You know, I never say never. So if the, if the phone rings tomorrow, I'm certainly open to having any conversations, but right now I I'm really excited about this book path. And I'm really interested to see where it takes me. Uh, one of the things I hope comes out in this book is how much I enjoy doing it. That, that I, I hope the energy comes through uh, because this really was one of the great experiences of my life to be able to do this and to spend a couple of years with the research and doing the interviews and sitting down in the actual typing process is, has really been a blast. I've enjoyed it. So, I'm looking forward to June 15th uh, for the release date and seeing how the numbers come in and what else is out there for me as far as a next book opportunity. I'd like to ride this wave for a while uh, and see where it goes. And when, when we talk about next book possibilities, there's a few out there, none I can really talk about for various reasons, but the NBA presents some storylines that are worth exploring, but also beyond that, I, I think that there's a couple ideas that I really like that have little or no connection to the NBA, just that there's some other topics out there. I, I'd kind of like to see where this goes. You think uh, the amount of time that it took you to write this book, uh, is that a fairly typical amount of time to write, write a book or was it extended a bit because you didn't necessarily have the full 
cooperation of the uh, of the subject of the book. I don't know that anything was typical about <laughs> about this book, uh, but not because of the cooperation factor. Books get done all the time on politicians and entertainers and sports people who who don't want to cooperate for different reasons than Steve didn't want to. But still, the bottom line is that. Uh, when I told the publisher that Steve was not on board with this, they kind of shrugged and said, okay, you, you feel like you can still get stuff. You feel comfortable enough with this topic. And when I said yes, and we talked a lot of things through before we made the deal, uh, they were perfectly fine with it. This stuff happens all the time. Uh, I think it was much more the timing aspect because of the pandemic and seasons being canceled and schedules being adjusted and, and who was available for me to talk to in person and who did I need to run down on the phone once, once the season got stopped a couple, a couple years ago. And this is a book that was originally supposed to come out at the start of training camp, but then it got pushed back. And so now it comes out uh, in June. And it's a lot of factors like that that made this an unusual situation as it has been for all of us for the same reasons that when you can't go anyplace that that just changes your life. And of course, everyone had the perspective that uh, the book didn't matter in the big picture. When you talk about the real issues that we're all confronting out there, Certainly, it's easy to, to prioritize and understand that uh, this is not the focus of everyone's existence uh, these days. And so it was just a matter of, of getting it done. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but uh, I was thrilled to have great support from the publishers, William Morrow. Uh, the people in New York were fantastic. There were I know that there were different times that people had books canceled just because of financial cutbacks around the country. Uh, but their support never wavered. And just to have it come out at all feels like a win. So I'm excited about that. Covering sports, covering athletes, covering coaches, obviously uh, had to be altered with uh, the pandemic era and so forth. And, uh, and I'm curious as to how you think maybe going forward, uh, a lot of the ways that uh, things have had to be done uh, via Zoom, via uh, certainly not the same kind of uh, contact face-to-face -face that, uh, that, that was done in the past. Do you think maybe some of these things are going to carry over to whenever we get out of the pandemic era, or do you think we'll go totally back to the way things were before? I think that the entire process will become a fascinating case study in communications. And I don't mean in sports communications and how NBA games are covered. I think that, uh, Things like Zoom meetings and working remotely are obviously um, not going to be temporary to, to get us through the pandemic. I, I don't think that it's anything startling at this point when you, when you think about the number of companies that may be saying we don't need people in the office and the number of people that are just going to be doing Zoom conversations uh, from now on instead of meeting in person. I think that our lives have changed in ways a million miles beyond NBA circles. Do you miss uh, covering games on a, on a regular basis or, uh, or is that something that, because, because in putting this book together and with your life the way it is now, basically you're saying that uh, you don't even necessarily follow the NBA anywhere near as closely as you did. Well, certainly not when I had my head down and, and was typing for <laughs> months <laughs> at a time to try to get the book done and that, between the pandemic and my schedule and just changing priorities, uh, I was not watching nearly as much NBA. Um, 
I miss the people. I miss getting out to to see old friends, and uh, I miss some of the big events. Uh, I don't miss, you know, I, I did it for a long time, and I loved it, and consider myself fortunate times a million to to have had the life and and the run that I did. But I think that the reach is a certain point that you don't want to keep standing around for 45 minutes to find out how somebody's sprained ankle did <laughs> in, pra in practice that day. So uh, I miss parts of it, I'm, mainly the people. Uh, you know, there, there's so many good guys uh, that you're able to connect with through the years that you don't get to run into on a regular basis, but that's what they have phones for and texting and, and Zoom, and here you are. Are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter, at S. Howard Cooper. Okay, that's good, good to know uh, for those who that would like to follow you. And uh, tell everybody again, date of release, name of the book, so they can keep their eye out for uh, picking up this, uh, this, this really seems like it would be a fascinating book on Steve Kerr that uh, was, was done maybe not in the totally traditional manner, but it sounds like you got everything that, uh, that anybody would want to know uh, that maybe uh, thinks they know about Steve Kerr and maybe is going to find out there's a lot of things that uh, uh, are very, very interesting about this man that, that maybe they didn't know previously. Including, by the way, that uh, even though he had a relatively short time in Portland, there's some good trailblazer stories in there and right. uh, not, not only fun stuff, but how it shaped him. And, and there's no doubt that, again, uh, he's much more known for his playing time in Chicago and, and San Antonio, obviously. But the Blazers year, the Blazers months, I should say, <laughs> had, a, had a big impact on him uh, and the coach he became. And it's all part of the whole storyline. And Steve Kerr, A Life, comes out June 15th, hopefully in bookstores in Portland, uh, but certainly online or anywhere around the country uh, at, at the big stores and, and keep hitting up your, your independent bookstores that are so valuable to us all. And uh, if it's not anything in your area, it's gonna be online. Steve Curry Life from William Morrow on June 15th. And written by Scott Howard Cooper. That's the important uh, aspect to remember about that. So uh, it's great catching up with you. Great to hear about this uh, project that I know you've been working on for quite some time. And uh, nice to hear that it has reached uh, the final stages and uh, now the exciting, the exciting moments of waiting for its release. That'll be something that uh, I'm sure will be very, uh, very fun for you to find out uh, uh, how popular this book is going to be. And I have a feeling that it's coming out at just the right time. And uh, Steve Kerr today had a great press conference talking about what a uh, successful season he felt the Warriors had, even though they didn't make the playoffs and already is talking about what the future is going to hold. So he's going to be around for a while longer. And uh, what brought him to this point uh, with the various elements and aspects of his life, both personal and professional, I'm very, uh, very, very interested to read this book when it does come out. I appreciate it. It's always great to be with you. You're such a, such a, a big supporter and that means a lot to me. Thank you. My pleasure. Scott Howard Cooper joining us on this edition of the Believe in Blazers podcast. Again, game two of the Blazers Nuggets series coming up tonight in Denver as we record this podcast. We'll be with you again, of course, on Wednesday to uh, recap game two and get you ready 
for the first game at Moda Center of this series, which is the game three on Thursday night, remember? And then game four is Saturday afternoon. If you're planning on coming out to see the two games at Moda Center, remember Saturday is an afternoon game at one o'clock. I'm Brian Wheeler. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the podcast. We'll be with you again on Wednesday. Good luck to the Blazers tonight. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. Until then, so long, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.